Well, let's look this evening, if you want to look at John 15, verse 1. John 15, verse 1. It says, I, this is Jesus speaking. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Let's look at uh, verse 4. It says, Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So the branch can't bear fruit in and of itself, or you can think of a tree, the branch, and then the trunk, the tree. Well, at the branch, if you've seen a branch, you know, sometimes you have wind or something, a branch is hanging out, it, it falls off the tree, and it's just, uh, hey, it's just sitting in the yard. Well, it's not going to bear any more fruit at that point. So if the branch is not attached to the tree, it's not going to bear fruit. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So he's making it very clear. I'm the vine, I'm the trunk of the tree, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do how much? Jesus said, without me, you can do nada, zilch, zero, nothing. You're not going to be able to do anything without him. So that's pretty plain. That's pretty clear. He didn't say you can do some things. Now the world would go, well, I can do all kinds of things. I don't need Jesus. Well, you can try to do stuff. The thing is, he's talking about bearing fruit. Later he says fruit that will, will remain. So much of the activity on this earth is empty motion. It's meaningless. It's not going to mean anything in eternity. I tell you what, just looking around more and more, you just see it. You, you realize most, of, most people spend their life doing things that will amount to nothing. But they're busy about it. They're really, they're going at it. They get mad at you if you get in their way or slow them down. Honk at you. You're cutting me. I got to be so, oh, you're more important than the rest of us. Okay, go around. You know, they'll, cut, they'll go around on the shoulder where they shouldn't be. You know, not when the shoulders, the, the breakdown lanes are open here. That's the, one of the weirdest things. When we first moved, at, moved out here with the breakdown lanes, man, you had to be a paying attention. If you are not used to those breakdown lanes and you're, you're on the on-ramp coming on and there's a person in that, in that uh, shoulder, you, know, you can get hit really easy. But, you know, there's people when, when the, the, they're not supposed to go on the shoulder. I saw this. I don't know where I saw that. It was a reel or something, you know, a short video. And this dude is, 
is going down the road. These, this, uh, it shows this, so from your perspective, it's showing the road and there's a car here, the car up here, and these two motorcycles are coming behind the car and they decide they're gonna pass the cars on the shoulder and go this way. Well, there's this car, they think this car is going slow. Well, there was a car up here going this way that was getting over and just about to turn. And so they're going right around and they, the guy flat out just hit this car, flew off his motorcycle and he was all right, but that was stupid. He decided, you're going too slow for me. I got to get somewhere and he just about died. Well, he's going to get somewhere quick. Not going to be where he wanted to go. But people, I mean, it's so clear. I mean, people are just spending so much time in this earth just in activity they think is important but but what when you boil it down okay so you're going to do a job and sell a product or build a business or you know do a different vocation without knowing god and without the context of eternity and what you're doing we can get so busy going from activity to activity and doing something but at the end of the day it's just motion and God, Jesus is saying here, you can't do anything apart from me. You're not going to do anything of value apart from me. Well, uh, he's the almighty. He created people. So you're not going to make anything up that's going to be a value apart from what he's saying and what he's doing and what he's enabling you to do. You can do a bunch of nonsense. You can do a bunch of stuff that um, doesn't mean anything. You can do just do actions. But Jesus said, you can't do anything apart from me. So if you're a Christian and you're going to live for God and you're going to do things his way, you're not going to be able to do it apart from him. You can't live the Christian life. You can't walk in faith without him, without flowing with him. So there's many applications to that. You, you, we ought not try to do what he's called us to do in our own strength. We ought not try to live what the word of God tells us to live, how it tells us to live in our own strength. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You can't do it. He said, you can't do anything apart from me. You can't live the way God has told you to live unless you have the power and the ability of the Holy Spirit enabling you to do it. And if he, if he calls you to do something specifically in your life, you're not going to be able to do it apart from him. The whole point is he's told you to do it. It may feel like a stretch to you, but that's kind of part of it. If you could do it by yourself, you wouldn't need him. And if you think that you can live the way God told you to live in the word and to, to walk in love, to be um, faithful, to be faithful in all that God's told you to do, apart from him, you're missing the, the boat. You're, you're going to start doing it in your flesh. It's going to be hard. You're not called to do that. Look at uh, John 5, verse 19. 
John 5, 19, it says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So go back to verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Now he's talking about himself. Jesus said as he was walking on the earth, he can't do anything of himself. He said, but what he sees the Father do for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So if Jesus said this, see, we're, but we are Christians. That means little Christ. That means Christ-like. If the Christ needed to look to the Father, <laughs> how about you and me? He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. Jesus didn't have any evil working in him at all. He didn't have, there was no hook in his flesh. Satan had no power in him. And he had to look to God the Father. Well, we live in a fallen world. We live... Uh, you know, none of us had perfect parents. Every one of us has missed it. Every one of us has made mistakes. And so you're dealing with things. Uh, you have an unrenewed mind. Your mind is not thinking 100% on what the Word of God says. And so we're, all of us, we're dealing with that. And so then if we think we're going to be able to live as God wants us to live and do what He called us to do in and of ourselves, we're deceived. Not possible. That's part of having a, 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 a renewed mind. Part of having a renewed mind is what we're talking about right here, that you understand that you need to rely on God to do what he's called you to do and just to live the Christian life. See, it's subtle because it, you'll look around and say, well, you know, there's a person at work that, they're, they're look like they're doing okay. Or, you know, all my colleagues, they, I know half of them aren't even Christian and they look like they're doing okay. What we're talking about bearing fruit. We're talking about for the long haul doing what the Lord would have you to do. We're not talking about the standards and measures of the world and the way man measures things. Because if you haven't, if you haven't seen already, the way God looks at things is different than the way man looks at them. And what the world glorifies is not impressive to God. It's just not. You can't do anything that God wants you to do without his help. He is the Almighty. He is so infinitely above and beyond humanity. Now, thank God we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, which is what we're talking about, relying on Him. But we're talking about just humanity, just you and of yourself. He is so infinitely beyond us that people and their gifts and their abilities just don't impress Him. And what a man can do or a woman can do or how smart they are, how get, men may go, oh, wow, look at that. They're just a prodigy. That doesn't impress God. It's like, that's like kindergarten. The, 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 the wildest, most magnificent theories 
and uh, creations of man are like two-year-old scribbles to God. And that's being generous. Like a two-year-old scribble to us, that's why they go, you know, your two-year-old or three-year-old even, you know, they're like, give, they, they, they scribble and give you a picture and what do you, oh, that's beautiful for them. But, and you know, you put it on your refrigerator. But you're not going to take it to the office and go, look what my three-year-old did. We got to act on this now. This is, this is amazing. All your colleagues would look at you and go, yeah, uh-huh. It's proud dad or proud mom, but you're a little bit off your rocker. You wouldn't do that. To God, that's being generous when we're going, if, if men go, well, I'm this. God's looking at it going, isn't that nice? It doesn't impress him. But if you come, if your two-year-old, three-year-old comes up to you, then they're like, you know, in their language, I love you, daddy, mommy, I love you, pick me up. That will touch your heart. They, their abilities, they're just not there yet. But their desire to have a relationship with you and know they depend on you and know they love you, that'll touch your heart. Well, that's like God. God. God looks at people and people think they're so advanced and so far and look what I can do. Does not impress him. But you look up and say, God, I don't know everything. I may not be the smartest of the bunch. I may not be the best looking. I may not be the most connected. But one thing is that I love you. And I trust you. That to the almighty, the king of the universe, touches his heart and means something to him. That impresses him. And so that's how we're supposed to act. That's how we're supposed to go. We're supposed to live like that. And the more we do, the more we're actually in line with the way we're supposed to live. Psalm 147.10, it says, He takes no, God takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Now, what we just said, for the eyes, or he takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse. You know, the horse was a mighty being, you know, back in the day. You know, we have machinery and all this stuff now, but he doesn't take pleasure in the strength of technology or the amount of a bank account. He doesn't take pleasure in human might. It says, no, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him, those who reverence him, those who honor him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. When you put your hope in God and say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I, I trust in your ability to help me. Now he can work in you. He can work through you. Second Chronicles 16, verse 8. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Isn't that what we just said? 
Well, we weren't just making that up. That's based on the Bible. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro. What does that mean? He's looking over the whole earth. The whole earth. All the people. All the achievements. All the might. All the wealth. All the intelligence. All the know-how. All the connections. He's scanning the whole earth. What's he looking for? His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He's looking to show himself strong for people that look to him and believe that he is their hope, who hope in his unfailing love. That's, That's precious to him. God is impressed. God's attention is taken. It draws his attention when people look to him. It draws his attention when somebody's heart is looking to him and reverencing him. Look at 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10. This is David. This is when they're taking a a collection for the temple. It's going to be built that David didn't build, but Solomon did. It says, Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. See, David, the Bible says he had a heart, after God. He was a man after God's own heart. And even though he made mistakes, David came at God saying, it's not me. It's you. And he reverenced the Lord. You can see why he was used like he was. He's saying here, it's, it's not. Verse 12, both riches and honor come from you. You reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand It is to make great and to give strength to all. He's saying, Lord, I know I need you. You are the great one. I reverence you. It is in your hand to to make great, to give strength. Look at Zechariah 4.6. Zechariah 4.6, it says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. See, when you're talking about the spirit of God, now you're talking about infinite ability. God can do what no person can do. 
God can work in situations where no person can work. God can, he already has the end done. He doesn't have to figure it out. He already knows what needs to happen. Where people, they can say, well, let's, let's try this. Let's try this, let's try this approach. Let's, let's run this play. Well, this worked in these three case studies. Let's see if it'll work for you. But God, he doesn't need to do that. He, he, he already knows what needs to happen. And so when we look to him and we, we humble ourselves and say, Lord, I, I need you. I, I need to, I, I have to rely on you. Well, we, we cut out all that other stuff. We, we invoke the power of God to help us. You know, just because something worked in a different situation does not mean, naturally speaking, it's going to work in your situation. You know, past performance is no guarantee of future results. I understand why they do it, but when you're watching, you know, a, a sporting event, they, you know, it's just, they, they just put these statistics out and stuff, and they'll, they'll be, a, you know, there'll be a certain situation, they'll, they'll be like, well, 56 of the last 57 times when a team was down by this, they lost. It really, now that may mean it's unlikely, but it has no bearing on if it's going to happen this time. It doesn't matter if it happened 57 out of 57 times they failed. This could be the first time, unprecedented, that they won. So it actually doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how dark it is, something could change. Well, in our lives, so it doesn't matter. Well, in your situation, nobody has ever come out of this. Okay, there's got to be a first for everything. And God's able to make it happen. We, we, we need to take ourselves out of the boundaries of just the natural ability to do stuff because that's not how we're supposed to live. We're, we're supposed to rely on God. And when we rely on Him and the power of the Holy Spirit, now there is no limit to what can happen. There's no limit to what He's able to do. It doesn't matter who you are. It's heart toward Him that opens that door. Is faith. Um, Kenneth E. Hagan, you know, Brother Hagan, uh, senior, who's gone on to be the, the Lord, you know, 20 years ago now, uh, in his book, The Triumphant Church, I didn't write down what page or anything, but he was talking, in context, he was talking about a situation where he needed to, to deal with something that was going on, but what he says in relation to this is very applicable. He said, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit in situations like this, what he was dealing with. He said, how often we read the scripture, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, the one we just read. And yet we go right, uh, right ahead and try to do something in our own strength or power or might and nothing happens. No, we will have to learn to rely on God's word, his power, and his might, and his spirit in order to be successful in life. Actually, when we rely on our own power and might, we labor and labor, and very little is accomplished. But if we'll put the greater one on the inside to work for us, he will rise up big in us and give illuminations to, illumination to our minds and direction to our spirits, which we can't get from any other source. 
and he always leads us in line with the holy written word of God. He said here, if, if we try to do it in our own, size, uh, own, own uh, self, we can just labor and labor and very little gets accomplished. Well, that is like not bearing fruit. That's like what the world does. They may work and it may look like they're doing something, but actually when you talk about real fruit, there's nothing really born because we're supposed to be looking at God to do what he would want to do. We're just vessels to get it done. It's not just about, so let's separate this right here. It's not just about another method to getting things done in the earth. Oh, well, you rely on this method. We rely on God just to get my, my agenda done. That's not what we're talking about. This is not a lever you're pulling. God is not a genie that you're saying, oh, well, I'll trust you so you can get my, my plans done. It is going to the Father, believing that what he wants is right, trusting him to show us what to do, believing that what he says is right, then he will give you the power and the strength to do that. And that's really what we're doing on the earth is carrying out his will. As Christians, we're here to do his will as his body, the body of Christ. We're not here to do our own will. We're not here to do what we want to do. We're not here to just live this life and know we're Christians, so we do it by the power of God, but it's really just doing our own thing. It's just that's the mechanism where we draw strength from. Not supposed to be like that. It's a whole different thing where we realize this is all about him. What am I supposed to be doing about for him? And so from the get-go, I go to him. I realize I can't do anything of myself as a Christian, so I go to him, get what he wants me to do through his word, through his spirit, and then I carry that out. And he's the one that's going to give you the power to do that because he's the one telling you to do it. And so the power by him telling you to do it in his word and his, by his spirit, he, you will have the ability to do it. Now, if you make up your own plan or you decide to go on your own way, there's not going to be the strength to do it because you're not relying on him from the get-go. It's not relying on him to get your plan done. It's relying on him for his plan to then do his plan. Yes. Apart from him, you can't do anything. That starts with what is it? You know, sometimes people jump past that. They jump past the getting the right thing and they just go to, I need help, so let's just do this. God help me. Well, he can help you in a measure. He's merciful, but that's not the same as you getting done what he's already told you to do because when he tells you to do it, it's already blessed. You don't have to get his blessing on it. If he told you to do it, by definition, it's blessed because he's the blesser. <laughs> and so anything that we do is going to be in his strength. It ought to be in his strength. No matter what it is that we're called to do, no matter what it is we're talking about doing, we need to do it in and of Him. Let's look at Romans 1. Paul's opening the letter to the Roman church. And he says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, 
which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among all whom also you were called of Jesus Christ. So I want you to notice two things. Paul at the beginning said, Paul, an apostle, or a, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. He's saying, God made him this. And then verse 5, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations to his name. So he said, we've received grace. We've received the ability to do what he told me to do. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he says something similar. He says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundant, more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. That means I can do nothing apart from him. If it wasn't for him, I couldn't do it. And we're talking about an apostle. And he says, I couldn't do it. And I'm not qualified to do it. I, I actually disqualified myself. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And so he called me. So I'm doing it by his strength. And so everything Paul's doing, he did by the power and the strength of the Lord. How much more us. There isn't another way to do it. If we're going to be Christians and walking in him, no matter what thing we're talking, we're talking about a step, we're talking about his plan for us, we're talking about implementing something that's in the word, you're going to look to the inside, the greater one on the inside, and say, Lord, I can't do, I can't do this without you. The first response is to, act, to acknowledge you can't do it and then start relying on him to help you do it. Don't start off on your own strength and say, well, I'm going to do this and we're going to give it a try. And then after 15 tries, come back and go, okay, well, God will do it your way. Just go to him first and say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. See, that's not an admission of weakness. That's what you're supposed to do as a Christian is first go to him and say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. You know I don't know how to do this, but one thing I do know is that I need you. I trust you. I rely on you. Well, God's looking for that. Now, it said, the Bible said earlier that he's looking, he's scanning the earth, looking to and fro to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So he's looking for that so he can help you. So the first step is, I need help. And I need help from you. And now you're actually enabling that help to come. So don't waste the time on the other paths. Don't think you have to do that. Don't think that's a sign of weakness to go to God. That's what the world is telling you. It's a sign of strength, and it's the only way you're going to be actually able to carry out the Christian life effectively. Amen? Amen. God's faithful. Amen. 